You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. our happy hour show trish and i are back what's up trish how are you hi how are you i'm great oh it is fantastic to be doing the show today it's a lovely rainy overcast day sort of where i'm at fall is i'm I, I, trish i hate to say this i think it's becoming fall like already is it in new york fall in new york no in st louis it is still hot muggy muggy is that a word i think that's it my grandma's word. word but muggy it's an older yeah. person's word. I don't think the it kids is. kick that word around, but yes. I, uh... it is. I like it. I like it better than humid, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like the muggy. It's muggy here in St. Louis, but pretty. I mean, it's it's not raining, so, um, you know, that's fine. You'll take well, it. It's good. Can I tell you what? So here in uh, in Waterloo, Illinois, we had the eclipse earlier this week. That was exciting. It certainly was. The eclipse was amazing, I think. Like, I think a lot of events, a lot of things in this modern age, Trish, in this modern age we live are overhyped, overdone, overblown, overreported, and they, right. don't, they don't really live up to, to that hype, but I, I thought the eclipse really did live up to the hype. I was blown away. I was. You know what? I will tell you, I didn't, I'm not a, a huge science person, although I read a lot of science blogs and things like that, but not so much about astronomy, and, you know, I don't know too much about that particular topic, and um, so I, I was sort of just like, you know, letting it happen. I didn't really worry about it. And it was amazing. It was absolutely stunning. So um, I think really cool, too, that it, it really happened across the country. So it really kind of brought everyone together for a few minutes. And everybody was enjoying the same thing and feeling very much in awe, I think, of yeah. the whole universe. And, um, you know, we, we have a lot to worry about in our lives, obviously, right? And uh, on any given day. And um, sometimes that gets very, very overwhelming. But I don't know. It was just a really nice couple minutes to just be quiet yeah, that, that, that's the word i was just thinking church was quiet right that was it that was why maybe why it was cool too because unlike say i don't know like new year's eve with the you know with fireworks and whatnot and loud things this was like everybody stop everybody look at something everybody be really quiet you know for and and, and like sort of nature got really quiet too and everything it was just really cool for that fact as well yeah, so the eclipse, Trish, was fantastic. So uh, great time, awesome time, great to great to see it. I uh, hope everybody got a chance to check that out. What we should get onto, Trish, is today's show. We got I think the show will be fun. We're gonna make it fun. Cause you know why? Cause it's why? The, it's the Workplace Movie Hall of Fame pod. Hey. It's, it's, <laughs> it's back by semi popular demand. We did uh, the first one a few weeks back or maybe a month or two back, a month back or so on Mr. Mom, which I, th I thought was great. Great, great conversation. Great fun. And so we, we're bringing the Workplace Movie Hall of Fame back with a new movie, Trish, that we selected. And uh, hopefully folks will get into it as well. Flashdance. Flashdance. Yeah, I think. OK, so I'll own up to it. This one was my suggestion. Um for two reasons. Number one, I do think it's work related loosely. And that was uh, sort of the initial thing. But then I also have a 13 year old daughter 
who is interested in seeing Flashdance, which based on my viewing of it when, in uh, 1983 when it came out, I probably saw it the year after when you think about it, like maybe when it went to, to cable, to HBO or something right, like that. Right. So maybe it was like 1984-ish by the time I saw it. So I would have been 13 and I'm thinking like, oh, well, yeah, maybe, even though it's rated R. So for, for me, I had a little bit of two reasons for suggesting it. I, I wanted to see it before I agreed to a daughter seeing it. So, um, yeah, we can get into uh, the ins and outs of Flashdance. So had you seen it prior to this? I, I had seen Flashdance a long time ago as well. Trish, I, I can't recall if it was, you know, right when it came out. Some, you know, near near enough. I was young. And uh, I remembered it just vaguely before we sat down and watched it this week. I... Uh, you know, kind of remembered the big themes of it and, the, you know, some of the dancing, of course, that was popular in a couple of the songs. Like, I didn't really remember a lot of the specifics about the movie. And uh, so we'll get into some of that as well. But a couple quick just stats on the movie before we get into the conversation for folks who either don't know or maybe wouldn't be that familiar with some of these details, which I certainly wasn't. It was released in 1983, as you said, the same year, uh, uh, oddly enough, as Mr. Mom, the movie we picked uh, on the first Workplace Hall of Fame pod. Uh, it was released in 1983, starring Jennifer Beals and Michael Nouri and a whole bunch of other people you've never heard of. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Jennifer Beals plays Alex Owens. She's a steel worker by day and an exotic, exotic dancer by night. And her dream is to get into a real dance company. And with the encouragement of her boss slash boyfriend, which we'll get into here in the conversation, she right. may get her chance. So that's kind of... Uh, the quick summary, it was the third highest grossing film in the United States in 1983, Trish, $92.9 million U.S. box office. That's a huge hit, monster hit movie, which I that part of it surprised me. I did not realize how much of a hit this movie was. Uh, for reference, that the number one movie that year was Return of the Jedi. This movie was directed by Adrian Lin, who also directed some films you may, may or may not know, including Nine and a Half Weeks, Indecent Proposal, and Fatal Attraction, and the movie won an one Academy Award for Best Song, What a Feeling, and uh, that folks probably remember, and another song was also nominated, the song called Maniac. So those are just some stats on Flashdance, and I guess the biggest thing for me in that, Trish, is I can't believe this was such a huge hit. I'm sh shocked when I read that. You know, I think knowing that before seeing it again, I was like, oh, maybe that makes sense, and after seeing it, I don't even understand <laughs> Um, <laughs> definitely I will say this and we can, we can get into it a little bit more, but seeing the other things that the director has directed, it makes perfect sense that the movie is the way it is. So anyway, that's, um, yeah, it, it was really shocking. I think like you, I probably remembered more the dance scenes, you know, the, the leg warmers and, you know, <laughs> yeah, her final yeah. like audition scene, all of that. So I think, you know, I guess the good news is as, 13-year-old me took away maybe some of the most positive things of the whole movie and, and just completely blacked out the rest of it, which is probably a good thing, in my opinion, after seeing it. So I'm disappointed. Yeah. But there are definitely workplace themes, like galore in this in this movie. So I guess the good news is, you know, we kind of recommended for people to, to revisit Mr. Mom. I don't know. Would we actually... <laughs> <laughs> would we tell anyone to go back and spend an hour and a half of their time on this? I don't know. I, I guess I probably would not. Uh, you know, right. and we could get into to, into the why of that. Like, like, uh, I mean, and you mentioned right, Mr. Mom. You know, had similar kinds of uh, uh, workplace themes as well, and it did. Except 
kind of spun them a little bit more optimistically and positively a, a little bit, right? And whereas Flashdance kind of doesn't, right? Um, and maybe that's not the role of, of, of every movie, right? To, to kind of make those kinds of statements. But I mean, we get into some of the things, right? The, the, the big kind of, I guess the most significant kind of workplace wor uh, issue or theme in this movie is just is the kind of tension or, or the dynamic between Jennifer Beals, who's this, and, and, and the, and the, the character is 18 years old, too, oh. by the way, right? 18 year old right. girl, essentially, working as a welder in some sort of factory. It, it's, it's almost impossible to tell what it is they're actually welding. There's just a lot of welding going on, just sort of indiscriminately. Right. Who knows what they're building there? But she, in the owner of the company, who's probably, ugh, what do you say, 40, probably, right? At um, least. Definitely to, in his 40s. Yeah, takes an interest in her uh, welding. Uh, work but how but but only only after he spies her in her part-time uh job which is uh, uh working as an exotic dancer which is kind of weird right so yeah i think you know again we don't want to do a whole show about about sort of the um sexual tension in, in this particular movie i know but one of the interesting things i know we had just briefly talked about after both watching it was that while we didn't choose two movies around the same time frame intentionally, um, it, it, I think what it shows more, it's not even about this particular movie. It's just that that unfortunately was the, um, maybe not accepted, but more accepted practice still in the eighties of having, um, women portrayed in movies, which I would say had to, at some level mirror the workplace still, you know, as being sexual objects. And so while we had in Mr. Mom, you know, the mom was was a corporate position, you know, an executive, if you will, versus this one where it's it's a person, you know, a female who's working in an industry um, in a very male dominated industry at that. It didn't really matter. So I think the, the positive I, I've been trying to think about this since I watched it, I thought the positive for me is that even though these these movies of the early 80s portray that as, as almost, well, in Mr. Mom, a comedy, it's, it's comical right. that, a that a boss is is aggressively sexually pursuing an employee. And in this one, it was to the point of him stalking her um, to get her persuaded to, to sleep with him. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what I take away from it, though, when I look, when I take a step back about how gross it made me feel in the moment was that. You know, while things are still not perfect with regard to the way workplaces um, handle things and are run in every single situation, but it's better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you compare 1983 to 2017, I think when you look at it like that, we really have come a long way. And, you know, it's not OK. And, and maybe that's why you and I are both having such a visceral reaction to, to seeing it. It just seems like, oh, my gosh, this is horrific. Like. When when was that okay? <laughs> yeah, that's really it, right? I think I agree because throughout this movie, whether it's at the at the factory site and the the welding place, the um, in the couple of the different nightclubs that are the see scenes that, throughout the movie, a couple of different settings there, it's just this this kind of casual, kind of persistent and commonplace kind of harassment you know, slash hostile work environment. It's just everywhere. It's like every single place we right. see people working, this is happening. And 
and it, it, it kind of runs the gamut from really, really in your face and horrible to just kind of, you know, casually bad, but still bad and inappropriate and wrong. And everybody, you know, the characters in the movie back again, 1983, just kind of like we kind of know it's wrong, but that's just the way it is. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Oh, that's what that's what the boss does kind of thing. And it was. It, that's to me what's really striking, you know, looking at it from, you know, a 2017 sensibility, hopefully, um, that, God, was it that bad? Was it that commonplace? Was it that rampant? It's hard to know. I mean, I, you think back to when I started my, you know, working life, you know, I, I don't really remember workplaces being this bad, but, but I don't know. It just, that's what, it's just so striking that it's not that it's, long you, ago. But. I think that, I think you have a different perspective as a male, if you weren't acting and participating in that personally, then you probably wouldn't have seen it. Yeah. So I, look, I don't have any um, extremely egregious stories in my career. I will say that, right? Nothing to where I was, you know, to the point of having to go tell human resources. And quite frankly, I spent almost my entire career in HR myself. So I was a little more savvy to ensuring I didn't put myself in any situation where those things could happen. But the few times that it did, and there, there have definitely been times where men tend to make suggestions to women. They just do. Um, you can't stop being a man. You can't leave your sexuality at the door. And really it's not even about male and female. It's just it, it, we're people. That's part of who we are. So it really is. It's something you can't turn off when you go to work, but it's more about the, the social norms have changed about, what's acceptable, right? So people may still have these feelings. They may still have this desire to pursue someone in the workplace. And in some workplaces, that's okay. It really, you know, it really depends. But I think that, yeah, back to the, I think it's progress is being made just in terms of women feeling more empowered, that if they actually are made to feel uncomfortable, that they really could speak up without having repercussions. Because in Flashdance, it wasn't just the main character. It was, you know, the, the waitress who was getting, just verbally beaten mm -hmm. up sure. by, you know, some men. And then, and then to make it all better, they, they just gave her a huge tip. You know, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, you were just supposed to smile and shut your mouth and it does happen today too. I think that it's not gone, but hopefully at least, you know, all these years later, women are more empowered. And, and that kind of gets to why after seeing it, I'm thinking like, wow, I saw that at 13 and, I, like I said, I blocked it out, but I would never let my daughter see that because even though it's not, even though it's not to that level right now, I don't even really want to let her know that it, it used to be like that. I don't know. Maybe that I'm sheltering her, I guess, but I just don't see the value maybe in young women seeing that, that we used to be treated that way, um, in a much, you know, more blatant manner. Yeah, I mean, right, because because you, what you have to be careful of, I think, is to say, um, is to get into kind of a um, relativism that makes things that are happening today, which may be not as egregious or just over the top, but are still wrong. And you, mm -hmm. we don't want to get into a situation where we're saying, well, look, you know, or have have people like your daughter think, well, in 1984 or 1983, it was so much more worse. So think, you know, so like kind of justifying bad behavior today because it's not as bad as it used to be, right? We don't want to, we don't want to do that either, right? So um, uh, I don't know, it's, but it's, it's, it's crazy to think that kind of, I wasn't, you know, working or anything in 1983, kind of like in, in a professional setting really, but uh, it wasn't that much far away from that. And, and I do think back, like, I still remember like 
my first corporate job and my first real quote unquote job, I remember like, I don't know why I remember this, but I do. I remember like when we had to watch like harassment training video, like the, the one mm -hmm. we had to watch. And oh, yeah. like they just put put us in a room, a conference room to watch this video. I apologize if I, did. I hope I didn't tell the story on the Mr. Mom pod because I don't remember now, but I'm going to tell it again because I started it. So we they put, okay, so they put us in a conference room and they said, okay, you guys got to watch this video. And like the boss or whoever was in charge of it or the HR person, like they just left. They just left us to our own devices. It was me and a few other, the new hire guys, young, younger folks. I think, I think we were all guys too. I, I don't specifically remember now, but that doesn't even matter. And so, but there were two videos, right? There was one video for the corporate office and there was another video for the, for the factory. And she had just left them both there. They were like VHS tapes. And so we watched the one we were supposed to watch, the mandatory one, which was, you know, in the office setting and things you shouldn't do and do and like, don't, you know, it was pretty straightforward, uh, you know, don't say this, you shouldn't say that, this makes uncomfortable, don't make these kind of off color jokes, all of that, right? And then just... It was just normal. Nothing really remarkable about it. And then we decided because we were bored and maybe we didn't want to go back to work or something. Let's go watch the other one. Let's watch the video that they showed to the people who work in the factory. And that one was like so crazy. It was, all, you know, it's all about catcalling and men grabbing women and, and, you know, cornering them and just just this really over the top stuff that you'd say, oh, my God, I, I you know. How can this possibly happen? And then even the scene where like a woman working in the factory complains to the, the supervisor about the, the behavior of some of the, the guys on the factory floor. And the supervisor says something like that. Oh, don't worry about Joe. You know, he does that to everybody. He does it to, you know, to Mary and to, and to Carol and to Susie. And, and Susie's not even attractive. You know, like that, that's what the guy says in this video. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. This is so horrible. But then then it kind of makes you realize, well, this must be really happening out there somewhere. If, if we have to, like, make videos to to tell people don't do this, someone must be doing it. Uh, they are. It. I, I started it was interesting. I started my career in HR in manufacturing and it absolutely was much more blatant yeah. um, and much more acceptable. But again, I mean, you're you know, I, I'm not going to say that, you know, we've also seen movies about, you know, women who. Who harassment it does go both ways maybe not as often but it does happen um but yes in a factory setting it was it was a very different um you know it's sort of like you have a crowd around you um and so if a man said something he would feel much more empowered that he had backup i think yeah so having investigated from the other side being in hr you know i've investigated lots and lots of these cases over the years and again most of the time um people are much more sly about what they do, right? It's just the innuendo is, is what it gets you because it makes it very, very challenging for the, the female or whoever the person being harassed is. I shouldn't even say female, but whomever it is to, to complain, right? Because they're starting to think like, wait, am I really, am I really uncomfortable? Or was that, you know, like, am I yeah. taking it wrong? So it's usually like those type of situations, but yeah, I've had, I've had my fair share of, you know, in my whole career, maybe, truly like really bad ones, maybe 10 mm -hmm. at different employers that I've investigated. And um, yeah, when they're blatant, they're blatant, but it involves, that's why watching Flashdance, you know, I, I was watching it and he's almost, the boss is stalking her, right? He's driving around, he's sitting outside her, her secondary workplace. He's by her house where she lives. I mean, it's this whole thing. And I've, I've seen men do that, like where I've had to then, you know, investigate and ultimately fire them for that. So it um it's a little scary yeah so 
I don't know. I feel like we're we're being a downer though on the movie, so maybe we can talk about some of the positives that we that we yeah, saw. Yeah, there were co- that's, that's a good point. And so you know, and again, since the Mr. Mom pod was a lot of these kind of similar kind of themes, and, and yeah. Flashdance is so full of them, even more in your face. Maybe there, there are other things to the. There wasn't all like constant sexual harassment in 1983 there, there was uh, i hope not anyway i think there was some some interesting other kind of workplace angles to flash dance i'll throw out one trisha that i thought it was really interesting and, and kind of important like i mean in the in the movie she's trying to get into the dance uh, academy the the dance school right. right that's her ultimate goal and she doesn't really have the pedigree, the qualifications, the right resume, you know, however you want to describe it. And, and there's some tension around that, too, with her um, actually almost almost giving up on the dream because she doesn't think she's got the right stuff or the right pedigree or, or the right background to cut it and walking away. And it kind of makes me think a little bit, you know, even happens today, right, with, with organizations who are looking to fill roles or recruit folks, and, and maybe they don't have the right background, or maybe they didn't go to the right school, or they don't have the, you know, three references available upon request kind of stuff, and, and how do you sort of, I don't know, like, open up your mind to non-traditional, non-standard kinds of applicants? I thought that was kind of an interesting element of this movie that, that can make you think a little bit. Oh, absolutely. I I think the other thing, too, is one place I I sort of noticed her sort of figuring that out was when she actually goes in to put in her application the first time and she's seeing her her competitors, basically, the other people who want auditions as well. And so, you know, that does happen there. Maybe not often, you know, but there are times in your in your career where you go to apply for a job and, you know, you're seated along three or four other people and you're all sizing each other up. I've seen even commercials that kind of, you know, play off that a little bit. that's really intimidating. Oh, if you yeah. if you look over and there are two or three or four people or whatever who look the part more than you do, right? Um, in this case, you, she could tell these were you know ballerinas, for example. Yeah. Um, they all look the part, and so she was assuming, of course, that they had the the pedigree and the the experience to to be there. Um, what I find interesting, though, and this is where the creepy boss actually did something I think was good. Um, <laughs> He really was. Now, whatever his motivation was, maybe it was because he liked her. I don't know. But at any rate, what he did right, I think, was that, you know, he saw she wanted to do something completely different than what her role was working in his company. And he was supportive of that. And he actually tried to do um, helpful things, you know, like putting in a good word for her or encouraging her to uh, to go back and just apply again and give it her best. Um, now, he may not have hit the mark exactly on doing it in a way that, that Alex liked. But I think, you know, if what it shows there is just a good leader to me, isn't worried about someone wanting to, to go do something else, say in the organization or out of the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know I, I always try and operate like that because I think, you know, we're, we're here for such a very short time on this planet. And if you don't help people um, and not, you can't take it personally, if someone on your team has really good skills doing something else, you know, sometimes you have to help them do that. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, you know, again, in his situation, he wasn't thinking, oh, she's going to quit being a welder. He didn't know. Right. But he at least was encouraging to her to go sort of follow her dream. And I thought that was that was a really good leadership move on his part. So, yeah, aside, yeah, I'd agree yeah. Trish, with. And there's even another example in this movie. One of the most sympathetic characters in this movie, oddly enough, is the guy who owns the 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 exotic dance club, the gentleman's club where where. 
where right. Alex moonlights at night. He, he he's he's fairly sympathetic in that uh, that he allows the cook, the guy who makes the hamburgers in this terrible club, he gives them a, a shot to get up on the stage to do stand up comedy, which was the cook's dream. He wanted to be a comic, right? That was his you know his ambition and his dream, and he wasn't going to get there by you know cooking hamburgers in this dance club and. The dance club owner said, get up there, you know, give him a shot, get him on stage, and which actually leads him in the movie, right, to then uh, getting better at it and getting more confident in his comedy abilities. And he ends up leaving, leaving Pittsburgh to go out to Los Angeles to work as a comic and chase his dream. And kind of, you know, it's kind of a nice touch, you know, that, that this the boss supported him, the leader supported him in, in, in chasing his dream in that way. So it was kind of a cool moment. You know what? You bring up an interesting point there because I think, you know, this maybe isn't really a – a podcast about, you know, the state of sexual uh, harassment <laughs> from from the 80s to today. I think what it really is, it's all about leadership, right? And so we've seen examples that we talked about about bad leadership. And of course, just, you know, mentioned a couple of good. I, I think you're right. Not only when, when you mentioned that particular manager, which again, it's not really relevant that he's the manager of the, the exotic dance club, right? He did a lot of things right. Of course, yes, having the cook, again, spread his wings, try out his skills that, that are not related to his what he's getting paid there to do. Um, I think, too, that even though it was an exotic dance club, he was really good to his employees. He was good to the girls and not in a creepy way. Yeah. I never got the feeling like the, the club owner was creepy. He was very, like, almost fatherly, like an uncle maybe instead. Just But, you know, he was having costume parties and just fun we'll call them employee engagement activities, <laughs> right? But seriously, like you could tell they liked being there. So I don't know how true that is. I, I don't know much about that. But at any rate, I think he was doing a lot of things right as a leader in terms of just getting his employees, you know, for the time that they were there with him to really want to be there with him. Yeah. Oh, the other thing too, this just popped in my head, you know, um, it's not an exotic, exotic dance club like we would picture today, right? Just, it's very All, unusual, yes. It, it was very theatrical, right? Yeah. So so the different dancers were wearing costumes and there was lighting and, you know, again, yeah, who staging knows? Staging and props, yeah. Was, right? yeah. But, again, the workplace in general was a, a way for her to actually truly show her dance skills. It wasn't just about taking clothes off. That Yes, that was a part of it, but at any rate. So for what it's worth, yeah, to say that the – the club owner was the better leader. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's very fair. Yeah, he might have been. And, and there was the other thing that was interesting and a little bit more positive about the, the portrayal of, of workplaces and work in these movies was there was a fair bit of sort of camaraderie and um, even friendship, right, amongst employees at the couple of different kind of work settings we see in this movie. We see it a little bit at the at the factory and, and you know, with the sort of the guys who are all welding and they kind of do – you know, kind of support her. They're happy for her and things like that. And, and, and we also see it with the, the women who work in, in the uh, exotic dancing club. They're all kind of, you know, there's a little feeling of kind of we're all in this together. We're supporting each other. It's friendly banter, if you will. But, but, but it seemed like a little bit deeper than that to me. I don't know. Maybe I read too much into it, but it, it kind of was positive in terms of like, even in these kind of, I don't say rough working conditions, but, you know, in not, not, sort of dream jobs. I don't know how many folks dream of becoming welders, you know, necessarily, or how many people dream of being exotic dancers. But even in these settings where maybe it's not what everybody really wants to be doing, that they can still, I don't know, find some find some uh, 
happiness, find some joy and find some satisfaction in those jobs. I think there's a little element of that as well. You could, you could kind of, if you're, if you're watching kind of closely to this movie. Yeah. Well, I think that's the, the finding those types of, um, of little tidbits was probably the only thing that kept me watching the movie. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I'll pick up one other thing too, while we're, while we're talking about flash dance. So it's funny, you know, we've talked about, about that, you know, the welder boss or whatever, but, you know, kind of the whole thing of, of should you date your boss, right? And and why bosses or leaders might think it's okay to, to date your, your staff. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, it's interesting. Do you ever have those times where it's like everything in your life starts sort of fitting together like a jigsaw puzzle? So like everything in the last 24 hours has sort of related back to that whole should you date your boss for me? Um, I don't know if you saw, but uh, our friend Tim Sackett just recently um, published a blog post about the three rules about kissing your boss. Did you catch that? I, I did not. And I'm going to say there should I'm going to I'm just going to interrupt and say there shouldn't be any rules. You should never kiss your boss. But go ahead. Go ahead. Carry on. OK, so. The, OK, then I'm going to have to point everyone. Go to Tim um, for the Tim Sackett Project blog. He makes some great arguments of when you should kiss your boss or your boss could kiss you. And uh, and I won't give it away, but, but let's just say it's interesting to watch a movie where we both felt completely creeped out by the boss kissing her, right? There are definitely some some reasons um, and some rules that, that Tim puts around, you know, a boss kiss. And the other the other thing that I would point people to in terms of if we're trying to look for the positives around receiving a kiss maybe from your boss is um is a colleague of mine um sent me a link to a ted talk called why good leaders make you feel safe Mm -hmm. but in it uh and i just watched it this morning and it it has a story of um, a military leader who was um you know with, with a group of of his um you know command where they they were you know coming under fire and Anyway, he he puts one of the um, one of the men into the helicopter who's been who's been shot and the military leader bends over and kisses him on the cheek. And so I think it's interesting when you start thinking about as leaders, um, can a kiss show compassion during certain times and actually be appropriate it can. It really can. So I think that for me, just having worked in HR, you know, usually we err completely on the other end of the spectrum. It's like, oh, you should never kiss anybody in the workplace or whatever. But I'll tell you, there have been times where, you know, when someone has something good happen or something really bad happen, um, it is appropriate sometimes for a hug or kiss on the cheek mm-hmm. or, you know, I, I just think I, that yeah, we're, I, we're I, human. It, I, it, I it's hear, okay. I hear you. I, I, I just, I, I'm not, I can't get there, at least right yet. I can't get there. Okay, well then I think you need to watch this, you watch this TED Talk, Why Good Leaders Make You Feel Safe, and then tell me, we'll talk later about if you, if you think that that could be relevant, but anyway, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm the wrong person on some of this stuff, I'm just a little too the other way, and just in life, like, forgetting leadership or the workplace, I don't, I mean, I don't like, I don't like hugging. I don't like shaking hands even, you know, like I, I'm just weird about that kind of stuff. Like, no, I understand on a regular basis. And there, there's lots of, you know, that, that could be a cultural thing. It could be a part of a country you live in, whatever, where that, you know, diff, there's different level of comfort with, <clears throat> pardon me, with physical touch. But right. I don't know. I mean, I, I'll say working in HR for so long, there are definitely times where people come to you and uh, maybe, you know, they've just found out that someone in their 
immediate family has passed, right? And they're at work. Sometimes they do need a hug. Yeah. And that doesn't mean like a little side hug pat on the back. It means like having someone sobbing on your shoulder kind of hug. Um, There are times when people are being let go, even if it's their own doing, right? You never know how someone's going to react to any situation. And I, I would just say even in, in the public, right? If you see someone, I guess to me, I'm not someone who's going to go hug everybody at work. However, <laughs> if I see anyone, if I see anyone truly like hurting, right? Needing comfort. Maybe that's it. Not even hurting, just needing comfort, right? Um, I'm someone who would do that. I would absolutely do that. Yeah. So I wouldn't want my team. If I, I, I can guarantee if I saw a person on my team either succeed really fantastically or just need comfort, I would not hesitate and think about rules of hugging, not hugging, kiss on the cheek, not kiss on the cheek. You know what I mean? You go, you go overseas, for example, and kissing on the cheek is quite common. So sure, sure. things are only weird if you make them weird. I will say that. Yeah, That's and I, I think, I, I guess I'd also say that there's got to be, there, there, there's, there's a run up to some of that stuff. There's a lot of, of um, kind of uh, increased understanding and, uh, relationship building that happens kind of before some of this stuff too, I think mm-hmm. in certain examples, especially Maybe. when it comes to team dynamics, like um, I, I'm not, I'm not disputing any of that Trish. I actually think it makes a ton of sense. I, I, I you know, I'll think about it some more, but the, the kissing part is like, I really, I, I got, I went to the wrong direction when you brought up the, you know, the kiss, the rules for workplace kissing or whatever it was called. Like uh, the rules are don't ever do it. That's it. You know, like that's, that's just my visceral reaction to it. But, but now uh, see a lot of people would agree. I think a lot of people would agree, but, really? yeah. and, and again, I think you're putting, you're someone who you're already feeling even to compromise, you're putting a lot more rules around it. Like for me, I can give you an example. Um, when I went to the Middle East um, on business and it was during the night of the Paris attacks, when I landed in Amman, Jordan, mm-hmm. I was a little nervous. It was just, you know, you didn't know what was going on. You didn't know how Westerners were going to be perceived or whatever. I definitely did not speak the language. Um, you know, I wound up <laughs> feeling a little bit scared and, and wound up sort of talking to, to a woman in the, um, who worked in the like cleaning the restrooms, right? She was like housekeeping in the airport. And, um, and she gave me a hug. Now we didn't speak the same language, but she could just sense, I guess, that I needed a hug. And it was so (laughs) wonderful. Like I will literally never forget that moment, but there are just sometimes I think you see someone who needs, who needs human interaction in a time, a certain time. And, and I think in that context, that's where I would love employees to feel like not to be too scared, right? Don't be the creepy person who's trying to pick up I'm not saying that right um maybe it's motive right yeah if the motive is to comfort someone in a time of need or in a time of success I think that's maybe more acceptable I, I, I think you're making a really good point and I think I think the issue can kind of one way to look at the issue is you know we we worry so much and we're inclined to worry and it's part of our role right if you're in HR it's part of your role to worry about risk and, and things like that and risk mitigation that we worry so much about those things with our legacy of 1980s and 70s and 60s era sexual harassment hostile work environments right that we've been talking about in these these couple of shows with all that in the past and all that in some of our minds today that we worry so much about that that you end up reacting like I just did to say, you know what the rule about workplace kissing is? Never, ever do it, right? Right. And and then if we do that, if we go so far in that direction, I think we miss the opportunity or we uh, 
um, reject the opportunity or the the um, a, a chance to, to kind of extend to each other some of these really human, supportive, caring, kind things that you're talking about, Trisha. And I think I, I and I don't I agree with you. They're they're really important. Like, and if that that woman cleaning that hotel uh, had some hard and fast rule that had been beat into her by HR at the hotel, like don't ever touch a, a hotel guest, you know, <laughs> like she might not have extended to you that courtesy or that kindness as a person, and then. But it, it turns out she did. She did do that, and that made a, a meaningful uh, difference to you in that that day, and that you still remember today. So uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's a, it's I don't know. It's interesting how we got to hear from talking about this terrible 1983 movie. But I think it's uh, I, I think it's a great you know. Now that I think about it some more, it's it's maybe maybe my, maybe my position's worth reconsidering. Well, I think it'd be interesting to do a follow up show, maybe with Tim Sackett, if we can get him to to come on. <laughs> Well, no, because he does have it's interesting um, when you read his his kissing blog. Um, he actually wrote one several years ago about hugging in the workplace. And I think I've probably written about it at some point, but his is really, really popular. Like it's it's gone viral. And um, and so there there's a lot to be said around that. And I think, you know, his experience in HR would be interesting to sort of hear his perspective on when is it appropriate. I think for me, it comes down to that line between true affection for someone versus um, attraction. And so if it's, if a hug or, or some sort of an, a physical indicator is used, if it's wanted, like if it's acceptable by both people and it is a, a gesture of affection, um, I think it's more okay, but yeah, maybe I'll tell you what, I've been out of HR five years. Maybe my stance has eased up because it would have made me nervous. Maybe, thinking yeah. about it five years ago. So, yeah. and, 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 and often that line is very hard to find out, figure out where it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and two people might be thinking of the same thing in different ways. And that's where, that's when you get into some trickiness, right? One, one person's kind gesture yeah. to, to a friend, to a colleague can be interpreted by the other person as, as a different kind of a gesture wrongly or rightly, you know, and that's, that's when you can also get into trouble, but that's, I guess that's a real life too. But, um, well, and I'd like to hear maybe Tim's perspective on how does that impact team dynamics? Because, for example, like when I when I joined in for um, it, I've been hugged by lots of people there at all different levels. And my team, when we we don't you know, we, we work remote, we don't see each other often. But when we do, I mean, I'm you know, it's just a nice little brief hug. It's it's a it's affection. It's it's oh, my gosh, I'm really glad to see you. I'm glad I work with you. I'm happy to, to be here with you, working with you. You know, it's um, it's kind of. It's a cool thing. It's a good thing. It makes the team bond even stronger. Um, but yeah, you'd have to know. You'd have to know what that person's comfort level is with that, of course. And um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll. I want to. I want to have Tim on the show if he'll come on. And I think it'd be an interesting topic to explore further. And it definitely is probably one of the more positive things that we can take away from Flashdance <laughs> because he itself. Um, there's great dancing, right? We can agree with that. It is. There's some great dancing. <laughs> there's some decent music. This is a terrible movie, though. Let's just be clear. Oh, you know, please don't I watch this again if you have. If, if you feel. If you haven't for uh, 30 years, don't go back. It, it, Isn't that awful? I feel guilty saying that about Flashdance, but yeah, it's it's really bad. It's yeah, really and, and, and you know, so it's funny. Like some of the things. Just a couple of quick notes on this that I just from watching it. The break dancers, there's a scene where they're walking along the, yeah, by the river or something, and there's a couple mm -hmm. of kids out there break dancing. And the yeah. break dancers are wearing like the same shoes and Adidas jackets and hats and stuff that are fashionable now. So, like, they're literally wearing the same That's exact why they got things. Those superstars. Yeah. 
And yeah. 35 years ago, those same sneakers are, are like what kids are wearing today. I thought that was funny. And another thing was like, there's, there's a character in the movie. If you don't remember, it's kind of an, an older lady. She's maybe a grandma. The movie does no, doesn't explain who this woman is actually. I don't think whether it's her grandmother or an aunt or just an old family friend, kind of a mentor, an older lady, probably in her eighties who right. would take her to the ballet and that kind of thing. And, and during, and then towards a spoiler alert for a 35 year old movie, towards the end of the movie, the, the old woman passes away and Alex, the main character just doesn't find out about it until she shows up at the house. She physically has to go there. And I'm thinking like, is this how we found out about things like in 1983, like how people died? You just, you had to go to their house and, and they weren't there anymore or you found them. It was, I thought that was very odd. I, I you know, she, when she got to the house to be surprised by, Oh yeah, she died yesterday. Or, you know, like, what you know like i just i don't know it's it so anachronistic or you know i'm thinking of like you know you, you people we know in our lives can't buy a starbucks coffee without them informing everybody they know about it on instagram you know and this woman who's right. important in her life is dead and she can't find out about it until she physically goes there so uh I don't oh. know. well they did have telephones so maybe it, that that may i don't know who knows who that woman was but yeah maybe um maybe she just wasn't that close i mean if it was a neighbor or something, maybe she wouldn't have been on the first, you know, the people to be told. I don't know. But not but. on the speed dial, right? Not on the top 10. Uh, speed well, there was dial no either. speed dial. It would have been a, <laughs> in 83. It would have been like a, a phone on your wall with a rotary, so, you know. Yeah. So those are what we got to do, though, Trish. When we do the, I love the Workplace Movie Hall of Fame series, and I don't care what anybody says. We're going to do a million of these. But next time we do one, Trish, let's get a little more current. Let's get into the 90s, maybe. And, and for two reasons. One, I think it just would be fun. And two... Let's kind of see if we can find the right movie or two that we think about. Like, are 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 is kind of these rampant, hostile, sexually assaulting kind of workplace. Yeah, nothing things. like that, right? Do the themes nothing change? Like do do we sense a shift? Do we sense things moving in a better direction? I love to get into some of that too. Like, uh, right. you know, are there, is there progress? Then can we see it as at least as evidence through how work is portrayed in, in in some of the 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 films that we select? I think that'll be interesting too. I think so. I think too, just to ask any, any of our listeners, if you have good suggestions, again, it doesn't, we're not looking for a, a movie that's specifically about work. So like, not like up in the air or Which I what, like. office space or clerks, right? <laughs> we don't want, want it where it's so blatantly about work. It's more about workplace themes that we can tease out of a movie. So if you have a great suggestion, I would say definitely from 1990 through today, um, Send it over. Let us know. Drop us an email. Tweet us. Whatever, and um, and we'd like to find some other ones that we can watch. But yeah, Flash Dance is is a double thumbs down. <laughs> and don't show it to your kids. It's it's rated R for a reason. It's pretty wildly oh. inappropriate, especially the second half of the movie. Wait, wait. I was gonna say, can I say like through the first half, I'm thinking like, why is this rated R? This yep. is fantastic. It's like every or okay. Here's my recommendation. If you want to watch Flash Dance and have a great flashback of your childhood only watch the first half <laughs> and you'll be so happy because you're going to see all of the great dance scenes that you remember so joyously and you will have none of the um the stalker boss to deal with so exactly so all right good show i think we i think we killed flash dance and hopefully we've killed it oh. for good um Quick right. from me, real quick, hrtechconference.com, of course. Uh, check that out and use my code Steve200 for $200 off your registration. And, of course, thanks to our friends Virgin Pulse. Uh, 
supporting the show, sponsoring the show since 1983. Absolutely. Since 1983, oddly enough, they've been sponsoring the show and www.virginpulse.com to learn more about what's happening there. And then I'll be doing a webinar with Virgin Pulse right after Labor Day. More to come on that. On uh, Based on the show we did, Trish, when we were at the Virgin Pulse uh, event uh, about the business value of well-being. So I'm excited about that, too. So that's it for me. Um, subscribe, tell a friend, tweet the show at HR Happy Hour. Let us know what you think. And uh, Trish, thank you. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. And um, that's it from the HR Happy Hour Show. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.